When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What up, y'all? Welcome back to the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. It's Justin Michael. We've got Jake Schwanitz here. And we are talking about two of my favorite conferences in the entire world. They are very different from each other stylistically, geographically, uh, in terms of relevancy. But that is, of course, the SEC and the Mountain West, the two conferences I hold dearest in my heart. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to go through the, the betting odds. We'll talk about some standout players, teams we expect to make noise. We'll give our projections as far as who we think should win the conference. All that fun stuff. Uh, it's going to be a fun one with me and Jake. Before we get into this, Jake, how you doing? Uh, kind of a tough week with Tim Patrick going down for Broncos fans. Third off season in a row, man. Yeah, that was a rough one. Um, and I've been keeping up with the the guys in the DMVR Broncos pod and listening along. It sounds like the offense has had some general struggles early on, uh, but it seems they're starting to come alive. It sounds like we got a hell of a defense, though, which is very exciting. Um, and Pastor Tin leading that charge just looks phenomenal from all accounts at Broncos camp. I'm a, I feel really good about PS2 because I remember that draft night and I understood why everybody was so upset but they bring me on the live stream and, and I'm smiling ear to ear. And I'm just like, we got the best defensive player in the draft. Everyone's like, but, 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 but the quarterback, but the quarterback. And I get it. It was so bad. But especially now that you have Russell Wilson, the fact that it worked out that way is just mwah, chef's kiss. It's perfect. Uh, before we get into all of this fun college football talk, got to shout out our homies over at DraftKings. Get in on the hottest sports action for your shot at cold, hard cash. With DraftKings Sportsbook, but on your favorite sports all summer long, gear up for football season. Right now, new customers can get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Just make your first bet up to $1,000. If it doesn't hit, you'll get another shot at a big win. Plus, they've got same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, props. Your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. So deposit and withdraw that cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook now. Use the code DNVR, make your first deposit, get a risk-free bet up to $1,000 again with that promo code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Risk-free bet paid out in the form of a non-withdrawable free bet token, maximum $1,000 restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Whew. After this, I am going well to done. become an auctioneer. Um, but <laughs> let, let's get into it. Let's talk about the SEC. It's been 
kind of a weird offseason where I feel like the SEC has not been in the national spotlight just with all the drama between, you know, the Big Ten and, and obviously the Pac-12. You know, there have been conversations about where will the SEC expand to next and all of that. But I mean, really, I, I kind of feel like they've been flying under the radar a little bit just in terms of the national college football discussion. I mean, what are you most excited about when you think about the SEC this year? I mean, it's just the best league in college football. Um, so, I mean, just that fact gets me excited just about the game, about watching these teams, watching these players. Um, I think the real intriguing option here is looking at the top two, though. Um, you know, Georgia, of course, had a insane team last year, uh, one of the greatest teams in college football history, some might say. And uh, they had one of the greatest drafts in NFL history, too, with uh, I can't remember the exact number. I think I want to say 16 players drafted. Uh, in April. So a lot to replace there in Georgia, which leaves us to Alabama, uh, the returning Heisman Trophy uh, winner in Bryce Young, uh, also returning a lot of talent, maybe the best defensive player in college football. It seems like it's just going to be another two-team race. I mean, we can get into the Kentuckys and the Tennessees after this, um, but it seems like we're picking between these two in terms of uh, king of the SEC this year. Yeah, if you're one of those people that hates the fact that it has been Alabama at the top. I think you're going to be disappointed this year. And I'm not even saying that as somebody who genuinely does root for Bama and loves Nick Saban. Look guys, they, they return 12 starters. They get Texas A&M at home. They're going to need some transfers to step up at the skill positions. I mean, their base, their top two receivers are both going to be transfers. Uh, Jermaine Burton came over from Georgia. They've got Tyler Harold jr. Who came over from Louisville, but I I'm really excited about Jameer Gibbs in the backfield. I already, Ood and odd over him last week for like five whole minutes. So I'm not going to do that again, but I, I just think they're going to be so explosive on both sides of the football. I, I don't know how you stop Will Anderson from getting to the quarterback. And I don't know how you stop this offense from putting up points. It just kind of feels like they're going to steamroll. Obviously injuries can happen, but when you look at the way this schedule plays out, when you look at the talent that they return and the experience that they return, I just don't see how they don't win the SEC this year. Yeah, I agree. Um, also, they probably have the best defensive back in the in the conference now, too, with Eli Ricks coming over from LSU. Um, a story that was huge at the time, but after everything else that's happened this offseason, uh, Saban versus Jimbo, realignment, all that stuff, uh, that headline guy got kind of pushed down a bit. Um, on the Georgia side, though, it is interesting. I mean, you do return Stetson Bennett. Um, a guy who really played well last year, 29 touchdowns to seven interceptions, uh, did not break 3,000 yards passing, uh, didn't really have to because the defense in the running game was so strong. Um, but as we mentioned when we talked running backs uh, last week, with Kenny McIntosh in an elevated role, um, he's a talented player, but the Georgia offensive line lost the whole left side. Um, so replacing that, I think, is going to be one of the bigger obstacles for Georgia entering the season. Uh, and defensively, too. I mean, you look at the players that they lost on defense. I mean, it's basically the whole starting defense. There's going to be a lot of new blood. And, uh, you know, I had this thought yesterday with the with the Hall of Fame game on. Uh, we saw the number one overall pick and Trevon Walker uh, get his first NFL sack. And a um, little bit of a tangent here, but it just made sense to me, like that whole type of uh, him declaring why he went first overall. It all started to just come together a bit last night because – Obviously, if you had this player on this Georgia defense, we're probably talking about him like we're talking about Will Anderson this year as one of the best defensive players in college football. 
Um, but he's doing what everyone wanted Jadeveon Clowney to do back in the day, where he kind of left school early as such a young player, uh, not a lot of actual game experience under his belt. But it's just because he's ready for the NFL. He's just such a freak. He's just ready. Um, so I don't know if they have any more of those freaks on the defensive side of the ball ready to step in. I mean, there's Nolan Smith. That's one of Andre's guys that, he's ta- that we've talked about quite a bit for. Um, but, yeah, just a lot of production that needs replacing. And it's really tough to kind of picture anyone else but the Alabama Crimson Tide winning, winning this conference. Yeah, I mean, they're going to need Stetson Bennett to step up in a major way and, and kind of carry the offense in, in a way that he didn't have to last year, which is, is what you brought up. But, I mean, they got the best tight end in the country in Brock Bowers. I mean, you, you already mentioned Nolan Smith. I like William Poole as well defensively. But, yeah, I just think that it's going to be a lot to replace. I, I still think that they come out on top in the SEC East. I give Kirby the benefit of the doubt at this point particularly, and then we can talk about this as we get into some of the other teams, but I mean, Florida, I think they're going to lose to Utah in week one. They, I think they'll lose to Georgia. They'll still probably win eight, nine, 10 games. Kentucky, you know, they're the, the factor. Tennessee, can they stop anyone? But I, I just don't see a way in which it's not Georgia and Alabama in that championship game. Our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook currently have Alabama at minus 145 to win the SEC championship game. Georgia following shortly behind at plus 155. Then it jumps all the way to plus 1800 at Texas A&M. And if we're talking about a value perspective, that's probably where it's worth, you know, throwing a flyer just because we already saw A&M beat Bama last year. They have 11 returning starters, the number one recruiting class in the country. But I mean, the the road goes through Bama at this point. And I I, will see on Texas A&M. Where are you at with them? Yeah, Texas A&M, very interesting team. I mean, I think going back to last year, I was much higher on them uh, as opposed to where I am now. They didn't quite reach the expectations that I had for them, Um, but we'll see. I mean, this is a team, I think they really need to figure it out offensively. That's been kind of their Achilles heel the past few years. Um, You know, with Kellen Mond, the offense was kind of uh, sufficient average. I don't know what the word is, uh, but they just never reached those heights. And then last year with Calzada, I can't remember where Calzada transferred to, um, but now they're going to have another quarterback change this year. So it's just, can that get going? Do they have weapons on the outside? I mean, they seem to be able to pump out running backs um, and defensively, they seem able to kind of hold their own in the trenches and kind of get some big pro- high profile recruits. Um, offensively is my concern with AM though i just don't really see them being able to keep up with the alabamas uh of this conference um you know teams like tennessee also uh which we can get into a little bit later but there's some other teams that i think have more firepower offensively and i just don't think AM quite just has the juice frankly this year i agree i mean max johnson could come out and light up the world and surprise everybody at quarterback uh, from a local angle their starting left tackle will probably be trey zune a six foot six, 315 pound redshirt freshman out of Fort Collins actually uh, had offers all over the country. Ironically, now ends up uh, with Steve Adazio as his offensive line coach. Uh, my condolences, Trey. I hope it works out. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just, I, 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 I respect Jimbo, but I feel like after this offseason and all the, you know, back and forth with Saban. Alabama is going to make it their priority to kind of embarrass AM this year. And we'll see. I mean, AM's good enough that they're going to fight back. I mean, I don't think it'll 
be like 60 to seven or something like that, you know, like asinine. But I think they win that game by multiple scores. I think they keep the starters in the entire time. And yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit personal. I am glad you brought up some of those other teams though, because I think with Tennessee, you know, if, if Hendon Hooker can elevate his game, can make a little bit better decisions with the football, they have a potential, you know, to, to make some noise, but they have a pretty brutal schedule. I'll have to pull it up here. I had that in my notes. Um, and I just, I don't know if they have enough people out wide to kind of keep up with some of these other teams. Like I like, I mm-hmm. like him running around. I like him improvising, but that can get dangerous too. When that's the, the best part of your offense is him improvising and then stretching the field. Right. Um, they actually had Hendon Hooker as a second team all SEC quarterback entering the preseason here over Will Levis. Personally, I found that a bit surprising. Um, but it just goes to show that Tennessee is getting some hype. Uh, you also have Cedric Tillman, their wide receiver there at the second team, and Darnell Wright on the offensive line. So there is talent there. I think that's kind of the difference for Tennessee compared to past years. They seem to have more talent. They seem to have an actual direction. Uh, Josh Heupel seems to have actually, you know, given this team some life, especially offensively. Um, and they were fun last quick, year. Yeah, that quick uh, no huddle type stuff, especially with Hendon Hooker back there, having that dual threat ability. I mean, that's really what kind of makes that go. Um, defensively, I'm not too sure what they really have, honestly, because uh, I think that's really been their weak spot for a, quite a while. I Tennessee's just ex- it's exciting because I think it's fresh blood. It's a team that's kind of risen from the ashes. Um, and looking at the schedule here, yeah, it is pretty brutal. You do have an out-of-conference game. You have to travel to Pitt to play the Panthers. Uh, you get LSU and in uh, Death Valley. You get uh, Alabama at home. And then you have to travel to Athens to play Georgia. So a lot of tough road games. Um, they're going to be fun. I don't know if it's going to translate to winning football games and actually competing in this conference. But I wouldn't be surprised if they have a big upset along the way. That's kind of where I'm at with Tennessee. Originally, I had them finishing third in the SEC East, but then I dropped them below Kentucky because I just think... I mean, I think Levis is better at quarterback. I think defensively, Kentucky's going to be more stout and. Bob Stoops at this point, I give him the benefit of the doubt, man. Like they always outperform expectations. It's it's kind of like Utah. When everybody doubts them, I'm like, that's when I lean into teams like Utah and Kentucky even more. They're mm-hmm. tough. They've got good fans. You could say the same thing about Tennessee. It's great to see the the juice back in that program, but I don't know. I just have a hard time seeing them survive that slate. And I mean, you already mentioned Bama and Georgia, but they also have Kentucky. They go to South Carolina. Who knows what the, the game clocks are going to look like at the end of the year with, you know, Rattler. Can he do any of what, you know, made people believe he had the potential to be the number one pick? Obviously, he has all the athleticism in the world. I mean, he's kind of like Hendon Hooker, but bigger and a much better arm. I mean, there mm-hmm. is a world in which I, I could see that South Carolina offense putting up a lot of points, but I don't know, man. I just, I sold my Rattler stock a long time ago. Yeah, I'm with you. I kind of, as soon as Caleb Williams started getting playing time last year, I was kind of out also. And I mean, I don't want to give up on the guy, but it's, this is really kind of a more intense and tougher situation than he was in, even in last year. He had so much talent offensively. He had Lincoln Riley calling in plays. Um, all due respect to Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks, but I just don't think that there's that level of talent or uh, coaching ability 
on the offensive side of the football. Um, so Spencer Rattler is really going to have to show out if this team's going to be able to do anything. Um, going back to Kentucky, though, I think the one thing that this team has going for them, I mean, they dodge Alabama, they dodge LSU. Uh, you do have Georgia, but you get them at home. You have to travel to Tennessee to play Tennessee and travel to Ole Miss to play the Rebels. That's really about it. This seems like a, I don't want to say an easy schedule because I don't think anything's easy in the SEC. But as it gets for Kentucky, this is really favorable. Um, I don't know if it's enough to really win the division, but this is a team, obviously they have the quarterback. They seem to have been able to pump out these wide receivers recently. Um, So who knows who they got kind of waiting in the wings out there. But Kentucky, I think, is in a prime spot now to, I mean, it's, I don't want to say kind of reach those Plus 1,200 to win the East, man. It, oh, I don't man. know. They've got I, I the fourth best odds in the East. It's Georgia at minus 550, then Florida at plus 1,000. That's the gap between one and two. And then Tennessee plus 1,100, Kentucky plus 1,200. Then it jumps again to South Carolina plus 4,000, Missouri plus 8,000. Vanderbilt, if you're feeling particularly frisky, plus <sighs> 40,000, not even to win the SEC, just to win the East plus 40,000. Of those teams, I mean, if I'm going to pick someone to kind of ride that's not Georgia, I mean, the odds tell me it's Kentucky. And I just, I think I laid out quite a, you know, a decent kind of resume of their team at this point. I mean, they have a quarterback that's shown that he's able to kind of play dual threat football uh, and make problems for teams with his legs. I mean, with the 12 to 1 odds, why not? I mean, it's a little sprinkle. I wouldn't go crazy on it. But, um, you know, if you really think Georgia isn't prepared to, with Stetson Bennett, come back and win it all, I I, I really kind of like that, actually. They go to the Swamp week two. And Florida, in my opinion, is going to be coming off of a loss to Utah. That game is going to be huge, man. Like, Because Florida won't be able yeah. to afford that loss. And Kentucky, if they can get that win, man, they're just sitting pretty because they should roll in their non-conference slate. Miami of Ohio, Youngstown State, Northern Illinois. Man, way to really go crazy there, guys. I get it. Your (laughs) your conference slate's brutal, though. Their first two SEC games on the road, you got at Florida, at Ole Miss. And Ole Miss, you know, there's a lot of questions as well. Jackson Dart coming over from USC. Mm -hmm. Who knows what that offense is going to look like. But, I mean, the schedule's pretty favorable. They get Georgia at home, like you said. I mean, if they win that Florida game early, as long as they don't have any dumb slip-ups, there's a potential where they could be essentially playing Georgia for a spot in the SEC championship game. Yeah, absolutely. At home. Um, Man, would that be epic. Game day, I'm sure, would be there. Yeah, the resurgence of Kentucky football. Um, Going to Florida's schedule, though, I just... I've got so many questions about this team. Uh, One, the quarterback... uh, Anthony Richardson is still there. I don't really know if he's shown enough for me to be confident that he can lead this team to a division title. Um, and last year, you know, they had a great year two years ago, right? It was Kyle Pitts and Tony on the field. Um, and even Pierce last year, Damian Pierce kind of showed some things along the way. But honestly, I don't really know what else they have at the skill positions for um, They've got some talent defensively. Ventrell Miller at linebacker kind of leads that team again. They shown the ability to be able to pump out defensive backs either at safety or corner. So I'm not particularly concerned there. I just don't know if this offense really has an identity. I don't know if they have a leader and a quarterback that can really push them kind of with the, uh, um, who was I talking about earlier with the offense? A&M. 
Um, kind of like in that same vein where, yeah, you may have some talent. I just don't think it's time yet. It may be a year or two too early for them. Also with the coaching change. I mean, I'm a fan of Billy Napier. I just don't think this team is quite cut out for it this year. As you mentioned, opening up against Utah, you get them in the swamp. So you have that advantage. And then, as you said, next week uh, against Kentucky in the swamp also. But then you got to travel to Tennessee. I mean, even your FCS game here, you're playing Eastern Washington. This isn't a pushover FCS team. Uh, you got LSU at home. You do have to play Georgia. You avoid Alabama, but I mean, Texas A&M, South Carolina, and then, of course, ending the season at Florida State. I just don't know if this team has quite the juice. I'd honestly be surprised if they kind of hit that seven win total that they hit last year. I don't know what their over-under is for this year, but um, yeah. I'll look it up. I, uh, there's, a rea- there's, there's a very realistic scenario in which Florida doesn't even make a bowl game this year. I mean, they, they from talent alone, and because I respect Billy Napier, I think the offense will probably be a little bit more efficient than they were last year. Just I like some of their receivers, but... I don't know, man. If if you lose those first two, and you very well could, but you get at Tennessee week four, you could be one and three. You still have a neutral site game against Georgia. You got to go to AM. Florida State could be better this year. That's who they get in, in the finale. I mean, that game against Florida State, who knows? Maybe it's maybe it's just for bowl eligibility. Yeah, for sure. I've found it. It's the number seven. Uh, you got to put down a dollar twenty-five to get a dollar back. On the over, um, they're plus 105 on the under seven. I mean, since it's on seven on that whole number, that kind of gives me a little pause. But instinctually, I, I look at the under, and uh, I quite like that number, I think. That intrigues me, man. I, I mean, they got they they just don't. Last year, you're getting practically the same team coming back, minus Damian Pierce. Uh, I, don't, I just uh, I keep going back to Anthony Richardson. I know that he's kind of got the traits and he's got kind of the wow factor, but the consistency just hasn't been there. And in the SEC, that's just what you're going to need. That's kind of my concern with Rattler too. Rattler, can you play consistent enough to deliver some wins for South Carolina, or are you just going to be erratic and kind of contribute to a lot of these losses? So originally coming in, I gave Florida the benefit of the doubt, had him third over Tennessee, but I think we got to go... Georgia, and and this is just in the East, Georgia one, Kentucky two, Tennessee three, Florida four, South Carolina five. Let me see. I'd I'd go Georgia. Mm, I'd probably go Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee. Maybe Florida fits in there. Where'd you have Florida again? Sorry. I think Florida would be fourth over South Carolina, Missouri, and Vandy. Yeah, that's kind of where I got to pick. I mean, it's a down year. Uh, we'll see if Billy Napier is able to build something, but I just don't have that confidence in Florida at this point. All right, let's uh, let's talk about a couple more teams in the SEC West before we move on to the Mountain West, aka Mountain Best Conference. Um, we don't need to talk that much about Bama and AM because we have already talked about them a ton, and we'll talk about them all year. I think Arkansas could be kind of interesting this year. They got AM in a neutral game. They get Bama at home. They only have three true road SEC games. I like KJ Jefferson in that offense. I think he should be better in his second year as a starter. I think Arkansas is kind of the, the sleeper in the West to potentially be dangerous. And if AM ends up falling short, it wouldn't surprise me if it's Arkansas that actually finishes second behind Alabama. Yeah, I agree. And for that to happen, it's got to all be KJ Jefferson. Um, 
you know, really exciting talent, dual threat ability, kind of that big body in a, in a Cam Newton type of build um, who was capable of some great performances last year. It was just the consistency uh, that really kind of was his downfall. Through 21 touchdowns and four interceptions, didn't break 3,000 passing yards, though, only through for 26-76. Surprisingly, though, had a 67% completion percentage. Um, my question here with Arkansas, though, is obviously Traylon Burks is, what was he, 20th overall pick in the draft. Easily their best receiver last year. Uh, he put up 1,104 yards, right? 11 touchdowns. Their next best receiver only had 337 receiving yards and two touchdown catches was their next leading touchdown score at receiver. So there's a, a huge void of production that is missing at wide receiver. That needs to they be did played. add a Hasselwood from Oklahoma. Okay. So, so I think he's going to be kind of their projected number one. Um, he's young. I mean, he's pretty unproven at this point, but yeah, I mean, it, it's big shoes to fill. And obviously I'm, I'm kind of giving them a, a lot of faith at this point, but I, I think the schedule is at least favorable enough for them to be frisky. But the, the thing that it comes down to, I think is, you know, how, how does Jackson dart lead this Ole Miss offense? Cause I think Ole Miss at least, on paper could be better than Arkansas. I think LSU could maybe be better than people expect. I don't Amen. think they're going to like contend or anything, but I mean, Brian Kelly's proven he can, he can put up points and I don't think their defense is going to be like awful. I don't know. I think they could finish in fourth or something in the sec West. I keep seeing them picked like last and stuff behind Auburn. And I don't get that. Dude, I'm right there with you. Um, Brian Kelly, I mean, he's kind of become a meme at this point of, you know, the whole hiring process and leaving Notre Dame. Uh, but the man can coach the hell out of offense. He can coach some quarterbacks and really make them play better than what they are, too. Uh, you look at Ian Book, uh, guys like Everett Golson, um, all these guys he's had to coach at Notre Dame. Uh, Jack Cohn last year, how much better did he look compared to when so, uh, Miles Brennan's the guy, uh, you had Jalen Daniels transfer in from Arizona state, who was an exciting dual threat player, uh, really contributed to their dominance on the run in the run game last year. Consistency again was kind of his downfall. We'll see if he's able to really put it together and beat out miles Brennan. Uh, but the player I'm most excited about on this team is Kayshawn Boutte. He's probably one of the best receivers in the country. I wouldn't surprise me if he becomes a first round pick at some point, if not top 50, uh, maybe as soon as this year, but you have actual talent here. Um, whether you have talent on the defensive side of the ball, that's yet to be seen. But I think that in year one of this Brian Kelly experiment, you just want to see improvement from the quarterback position, improvement from the offense, ability to just kind of stay in these games and keep up with your Alabamas, at least in the first half. I mean, you just don't want to get blown out early on and show that, you know, we were kind of moving backwards, I guess, because it got rough there at the end of the Ed Orgeron era. I, I just believe in Brian Kelly. I think that offensively, he's going to have them, you know, kind of moving all cylinders head. Based on what I've read, and again, you know, take it all with a grain of salt because spring ball reports are, you know, there's just people star in spring all the time that don't end up doing jack shit. But everything that I've read about their defensive line in front seven is that it should be really solid. They return about half their starters defensively. They've added some guys to the transfer portal. I just think they're going to be better. And, and again, I, to an extent, 
I, I am kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt based on brand. And I don't really love doing that because it's the same thing that leads to people picking Boise State to win the Mountain West every single year, even when they aren't the best team in the conference. But I, I think that they have the right coach. I think that they're going to put up better numbers offensively. They can't get much worse than they were defensively the last couple of years. So I, you know, it seems right. like they're due, you know, that's not necessarily the most adequate or astute observation or anything like that. I'm not giving you any metrics to back it up. It's more of a gut feeling. And I just think that Mississippi state's going to struggle. I think Auburn's going to struggle. They have to go to Bama and Georgia. They also get A&M brutal, brutal schedule for Auburn. I, I don't see a world in which LSU is worse than Mississippi state and Auburn. So yep, I'm that's you. my vote of confidence. I'm Let's talk about Lane Kiffin, though. Uh, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, I think this is a pretty pretty big transition year for them. Uh, with Jackson Dart coming in, I don't know. I, from what I remember, I never got too excited watching da- Jackson Dart play football at USC. Uh, we'll see if Lane Kiffin's able to work some magic. I mean, this is a team that went 10-3 and last year, was kind of in the talk for the SEC title up until uh, November or so. I just don't know if this team really has it. I think they've kind of like – spent their uh their talent to this point i think it's start start of a rebuild i don't want to say the r word but uh i think that's kind of what they're looking at here at Ole miss the schedule i think does look kind of favorable for them i mean out of conference it's a joke honestly uh Troy, yeah, I mean, they could start Arkansas, like seven and oh uh, potentially exactly so i mean if you see these guys towards the end of october ranked uh 16th in the country or something i mean wouldn't it be surprising i just don't think this team top to bottom is as good as they would have been in previous years. I mean, it does kind of toughen up towards the end here as you head towards October uh, at LSU at Texas A&M, you get Bama after a bye week after that at home um, and then at Arkansas and then it's the egg bowl. So as you said, you could start seven and zero. this team could finish seven and six though. Yeah. It's just a brutal schedule to end the year. I, I just don't think they're going to have the talent to hang with the, the top teams. Like you said, it, it feels like, not necessarily a down year, but just kind of a transition year where you're kind of figuring it out in between star classes. I, I do think Lane Kiffin's a good coach. I, I think that he'll scheme up ways to to benefit Dart. You know, he's kind of shown that his entire career. He will put his quarterback in an advantageous situation. But, you know, can you can you stop some of these other elite offenses? I don't know. And I'm quite frankly, I, you know, I don't think they're good enough to even, you know, beat Kentucky or, or some of those other teams who we've given a lot of props for. So I just, I don't see it. Um, I think they will be better than Mississippi state, which there's not a team I would rather see in the SEC be frisky than Mississippi state, because that means we get Mike Leach in the spotlight and all kinds of weirdness, yep. but I don't know, man, it's, it's been rough. It's been very rough. Um, you know, I think that was kind of the the question with him coming in this. DC is can this air raid and his style of football really translate over to college football's premier league where it's about athletes, uh, big players up front and strong guys up front um, and just incredible athletes and football players. I don't think Mich- uh, Mississippi state's really been able to deliver on the recruiting front and just the style wise. I mean, it was a good shot, but I just don't think it's enough. Uh, they don't play enough defense also. I mean, you got, that's, I think, my biggest issue. You can play some spread, uh, fast football on offense in the SEC. I mean, you see Alabama do it. You see Kentucky do it. 
but you got to, you got to be able to play defensively in, in step with that, right? Because those three and outs and uh, the short offensive drives really start to compound. And especially if you don't have a bad defense, then the points start, or if you do have a bad defense, then the points really start to compound. And all of a sudden uh, you're down, you know, by three, four scores as Mississippi state kind of found themselves at multiple times last year. I did see that Phil Steele had them as like one of the most experienced teams in the country. So maybe, you know, they can build off of a average year last year and, and, you know, be competitive. Will Rogers second year in the system, you know, maybe I, I don't, I really don't think it's about the air rate. Like you said, I think it's just about, can you stop some of these other teams to an extent? I think it's, mm-hmm. if you can quick strike and score, I mean, we saw, how much of an impact that made in the last couple of national championships with Alabama and Georgia and sure. some of those big plays, like being able to go over the top of these elite defenses is a big advantage, but they got to run the football better. They've got to put their defense in a better scenario and defensively, they've just got to step up. You've got to, you got to get some stops here and there. You can't win every single game, 50 to 43. Exactly. Ask Mike Bobo how that goes for you. Cause CSU never had any problems scoring in the Bobo era. They just couldn't stop anybody. Yeah, uh, the, in the last two years that Mike Leach has coached uh, the Mississippi State Bulldogs, their leading rusher in both of those years had 485 yards. So, I mean, that's the air raid right there. You kind of make up for the run game with those quick passes in the screen game. Um, but there is something, I think, said about controlling the football, controlling the clock in the SEC especially. Um, but, yeah, like you said, defensively, I think, is just their biggest hole. I mean, it's there's no question they have the speed and they'll be able to kind of keep up offensively with some of these lesser teams, uh, with Auburn, with uh, Florida, with Missouri. I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of make those a game. I just they just they're not close to the Kentuckys, to the Alabamas, to the Georgias, Tennessees of the world for me. Little uh, quick side tangent: Matt Mummy, son of Hal Mummy, founder of the Air Raid, took some concepts that he learned from like the air and shoot out at Nevada or the. What is that called? Run and shoot. Run and shoot. Yeah. Um, So he actually has transitioned his offense into the pistol because he has found that it's more effective with running the football. And Nevada statistically under Norvell and mummy the last couple of years actually ran the football pretty efficiently. Mm -hmm. They didn't do it a ton, but uh, Hey, Mike Leach, maybe you need to talk to our buddy Norvell, get some tips on running the ball, man. You got to run the football. It's the SEC. All right. uh, We're going to move on to the mountain West here in just a sec. But we haven't really said anything on Auburn or Missouri. So just real quick, do you have anything you want to say about these teams? I don't, I just, I don't really see a way that they can compete. Yeah. um, Honestly, I've got nothing on Missouri. (laughs) Um, I think they're just going to be struggling all year. Auburn is is interesting to me though, just with the the Brian Harrison situation. Um, We'll see. I think this is a situation to monitor for sure as we kind of start the first month or two of the season is if he's able to make it through um, and if they're able to not only stay competitive, but just win some games and kind of save his job. This is a team I think that has some talent. I mean, you go back to last year in that game against Penn state, they really hung in there to the very end. They're going to have a similar, I think that the matchup is flip-flopped this year. Um, So it's in, it's in Alabama, I think if I'm remembering correctly. Anyways, uh, this is where Zach Calzada transferred to. So, I mean, you have an experienced quarterback that's played in the SEC behind center, and you have one of the best running backs in the country, Tank Bigsby. I think that's really just kind of as far as Auburn goes for me, though. Um, I don't really expect them to have much on the off- on the uh, outside on offense. 
defensively also, we'll kind of see if you have some guys. Uh, they have McCreary, one of their best corners, leave last year in the draft. So there's some production and talent to be replaced. And just with all the drama that's going that's gone on, um, just a fun team to watch from that perspective, I guess. There might be fireworks early on. Not the, not the good type either. I'm not... I'm not reckless enough to to go and, and put this as a pred- prediction, but September 10th, week two, Auburn hosts San oh, Jose State. San Jose State has one of the best front sevens in the entire country. They added, you know, um, Cordero from Hawaii, a really explosive dual threat quarterback. That game could get tricky, man. I could I could see that game being a trap, especially after beating the hell out of Mercer week one and in between Penn State. Like that is yeah. peak trap game. Yeah. I will definitely be taking San Jose State to cover the spread and probably even sprinkle that money line a little bit. Just and I hate Auburn, guys. I'm a Bama. I'm, so of course I'm gonna be rooting for San Jose State in that one. But uh I, I genuinely I do it. look out for it because San Jose State. It is going to be much improved this year after kind of a weird year last year. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the Mountain West. You ready? Yep, let's do it. All right, we are going to talk about the Mountain West, but we got to talk about Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Beers on tap and regular seltzers are sold at the bar. And what's awesome about what is awesome about Breck? A little bit of a tongue twister. They got a beer for any occasion, guys. I mean, I was just in Vail for a week with my family. My girlfriend works for Breck, so we got a hookup. Man, we got mountain beaches, seltzers, avalanche. Breck was essentially the official beer of the Michael family vacation. And that is about as personal of a recommendation as I could give. I mean, I'm giving this beer to my grandma. You can't give a beer to your grandma (laughs) if it's not good. It's your grandma. You have to give her the best of the best. And that is Breckenridge Brewery, who has been doing it for over 30 years it all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer. I recommend the Avalanche Amber Ale. I also love Strawberry Sky. It is, you know, it's still summer, so Mountain Beach, sour season. Whatever you do, check out the Breck Beer Locator. Find the closest liquor store, grocery store, whatever near you, and make your next party a hit with some delicious Breck brews. Cool. Let's talk about the Mountain West, baby. I love this conference. It's going to be really fun this year. Um, I understand why people around the country don't pay attention to it at the same level, but there's a lot of talent. And in this year, especially there's going to be some teams that could really make some noise. So let's just start and and talk about the contenders right off the bat. We're not necessarily going to go quite as in depth with every single team, just because, you know, not all of these teams are going to be factoring in, but air force air force returns 15 starters. They've got Brad Roberts in the backfield, Zeke Daniels at QB. They get Boise and CSU at home. There is a strong chance that their Week 12 game against San Diego State is either to secure a spot in the Mountain West Championship or to just, like, maybe it's on the line. We'll see how they they go. Air Force is my preseason pick to win the Mountain West. Let's just say it like that. I don't know why I phrased that so awkwardly. What are your thoughts on the Falcons, man? I mean, the triple option always gives you a shot, I think. Um, and returning Roberts at running back also gives him another decent shot as he was highly productive last year. Um, we'll see if that's able to continue. I mean, I don't see why it wouldn't. It's just, uh, you know, how are they in the trenches? Are they able to hold up in the trenches? I think that's just got to be the biggest question when you're a triple option team on both sides of the ball. 
Um, you know, can you control the clock defensively? I think is almost, if not just as important as how you control the clock on offense when you're a triple option team. So if you're able to kind of get these three and outs, you know, defend against the pass, um, you know, schedule wise, you start off pretty solid though, starting off with Northern Iowa and you got CU and then at Wyoming starting conference play in September, Nevada, and then the Navy game. So, I mean, kind of a mixed bag in the first month in those first five games there, uh, but definitely capable of winning them all. And, you know, absolutely capable of winning this conference. I think. Here's a potential hot take for you. Air Force will be seven and zero going into their Boise State game. I just I love what this team does offensively. You know, defensive line they they take a step back after losing a couple of really solid guys. But a linebacker they've got Vince Sanford Jr., who's a stud, a dude who can really get after the quarterback. And they've also <clears throat> and they've also got excuse me Thaddeus Blackman Sr. Uh, really really solid linebacking core for the Falcons. It's going to be the foundation of that defense. Their secondary is always better uh, than they get credit for. They're just one of those teams that play smart football. They don't take a ton of penalties. Maybe the refs give them the benefit of the doubt because of their service academy. I don't know. Mountain West fans from opposing teams will will throw that out every now and then. But uh, Air Force, I think, has a really good chance to win this. And that's why uh, if, if you're looking to make a bet, I think they are the smart one. Boise State, the betting favorite at plus 220. Then Fresno State at plus 240. We'll talk about them here in just a sec. Jake Hayner coming back. Air Force at plus 400 is excellent value. They have an extremely favorable schedule. They return more players than anybody in the conference. They get their quarterback back. They get their fullback back. Defensively, they're going to be solid. Maybe they give up a few more points than they did last year. But I just think they're, they're the most disciplined team in the league. They benefit from you know Calhoun just being around. I mean, so few teams have had a head coach for 10-plus years. The foundation is set. This is the year that they break through and win the Mountain West, despite the fact that Jake Hayner, a potential All-American, comes back at quarterback for Fresno State. This Fresno State team is going to be nasty, man. They, they are going to put up a ton of points. Jalen Cropper at wide receiver is sick. Jordan Mims in the backfield is a really electric guy. Uh, running back, he's effective as a pass catcher, as a punt returner. I mean, they do a little bit of everything. This Fresno State team, they're going to be must-watch TV every single week. They were last year. They're going to be this year. Even, even the fact that they lost their head coach, it doesn't really matter because they got their other head coach back in Jeff Tedford. So it's a, it's a weird scenario. But if they can survive a, a tough schedule, and it is a tough schedule. They got Oregon State non-conference play. They go to USC. And then all the way to Connecticut before having to play at Boise State. I don't like that at all. If I'm a Bulldogs fan, the fact that they're going all the way across the country the week before one of the most important road games in the in the season. But this Fresno State team is, you know, they're going to win nine, 10 games at least. Absolutely. Probably. I'd probably pick them as my favorite to win the conference just because of the quarterback wide receiver connection with Hayner and Cropper. Um, they were electric at times last year. And that game that uh, that you and I went hard on, the UCLA-Fresno State game, is one of my shining memories, I think, of the last football season. Um, maybe that's why I look at Hayner and the Fresno State Bulldogs in this type of light, or maybe they're just that good. Um, looking at the schedules, though, and after what you said about Air Force, I think I'm kind of rooting for an Air Force-Fresno uh, State 
Mountain West championship game, just because that'd be so much fun in terms of a stylistic point of view, having the triple option and then the all out air raid attack of Fresno state, uh, just those contra- contrasting styles, I think would make for a highly entertaining game. Um, of course, that's the only way they would potentially meet as neither of these teams are on each other's schedule. Uh, that hu- It's a huge game for Fresno State uh, in week three, though, at USC. I think that's going to tell us a lot about them. It's also going to tell us a lot about USC and kind of, I think, the national landscape at that point, too. Uh, whether Fresno State is able to kind of mount a potential undefeated type run and earn a high rating uh, deep into the season is yet to be seen. But they have the talent to do it. So that'll be exciting for that reason alone. I think USC will benefit that they play at Stanford the week before. You know, I, I think going into that game for, for USC's perspective, just being locked in, that's beneficial. But I I wouldn't want any part of this Jay Kaner led Fresno State team. They damn near beat Oregon on the road last year, and then they had an epic comeback to beat UCLA, like you mentioned. Jake and I made a pretty pretty penny on that one. Just being honest, that actually capped off the biggest. Uh, it was like a six leg parlay I hit. It was it was insane. That's right. The entire time, right. I'm just like sweat <laughs> coming down my face. I needed it, and uh, it was awesome. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch, though. I, let's talk about CSU a little bit. I'm a CSU guy. It. At some point, we've got to talk about the Rams, right? Look, th- this team has enough talent to potentially be really dangerous. They also play a, a deceptively difficult schedule. I think when you have a redshirt freshman quarterback, even one who I think has a ton of talent, you have to just temper your expectations to a degree because, you know, there, there's just no substitution for experience. I don't know though, man. I there There is a way in which this team can be pretty good. I mean, when you look at the way that Nevada's offense is, have moved the ball so consistently since Norvell had been there. They're essentially a Nevada offense. I mean, they took their quarterback, they took two of their starting receivers and added them to what was already a decent receiving core or a good receiving core, I should say. And uh, Dante yeah. Wright and Ty McCulloch, you have Tanner Arkin, a redshirt freshman, or a uh, sophomore, excuse me, who is a true sophomore, good Lord, who is making some, some noise, was actually preseason all-conference selection. They're, they have five new starters along the offensive line and a redshirt freshman quarterback. That that That's just, a, it's a tough to forecast. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I, I do see a way in which they just score 40 points a game and win eight, eight, nine games and shock the world. I also see a scenario in which they're very, you know, erratic from week to week. And that's just kind of what happens when you have this many moving pieces. Yeah, kind of a high variance outlook, right? As we stand right now. Um it's going to be up to Norvell, I think. How can he? How quickly can he adapt uh, this new quarterback and offensive line and get them up to game speed? Um, and are they ready for it? I mean, start off playing Michigan in the big house. Um, we'll find out right away how ready this team is and how ready all the young guys are. As you mentioned, though, the receiving core, I mean, wasn't always the most well-utilized last year. I think a lot of that was to do with scheme. A lot of that had to do with Centeo also. Um, but I mean, you returned some talent, which is exciting. I mean, Dante Wright was a lot of fun to watch, uh, throughout the whole year last year. And I'm excited to see what he can do. So the talents there, um, whether they're able to put it together, uh, how, how do we feel about this team defensively though? I know they were led by Patchen and a lot of the seniors and older guys that kind of anchored that defensive line. And that was the strength of the team last year was that front seven. 
are you confident that this front seven can at least get close to replicating what they were able to last year? Well, it's going to be different because they transitioned to a 4-2-5 under Freddie Banks. So they're going to look a lot more like San Diego State. They're going to be a hell of a lot more athletic. And I think that's going to be huge for them. They've you know, leaned on the transfer portal. Obviously, they brought over Chigoze Anusium, who will be one of their starting corners. Uh, DeAndre Greeley as well came over from the College of San Francisco. Greeley played at Cal the last couple of years. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the starting defense should be solid. Depth-wise, I'm a little worried. Norvell has mentioned a couple of times that he'd like to see the linebackers play a lot better. It's actually interesting. Cameron Carter's coming back, one of the more experienced players on the team. He got benched in the spring game for a walk-on linebacker, and Phil Steele actually has uh, Kulik, the, the walk-on that started over him, and got an interception in that game listed as, listed as the projected starter. I imagine, you know, Norvell's telling him that, you know what I mean? Like, he's not just going to put that as a bold claim, and I doubt he was reading my report on the spring game, so that came directly from the coaching staff in their interview. That's significant to me. You know, who who can step up at linebacker and then Ultimately, in a four-two-five, you know, you need your your nickel guys. You know, you need those hybrid linebacker, uh, you know, DBs to be able to really yeah. fly all over the field. And if you have the athletes to do it, it can be a really effective way to defend teams. I mean, San Diego State—they're—they're they're one of my favorite teams in the country to watch defensively, just because of the way that they smother people. I just worry a little bit about the depth. I think they're an injury two away from being in a pretty bad spot. But I think their starting 11 should be solid, especially after bringing over Aiden Hector from Washington State, former uh, top four or five star recruit. I can't, I think he was a four star guy, but really, really impactful player in 2020 when he played for the Cougars. The schedule, I think, is uh, after looking at it for a while, it's a lot tougher than I initially thought. I mean, of course, starting off at Michigan, which is always a tough place to play. Um, but then it eases up here in September. I mean, Middle Tennessee, not, not a team to scoff at, but I think that's a, day, a game that the Rams can handle. And then Washington State also in following that is Sacramento State before a bye week. And then it picks up, man. Um, at Nevada, I think that's a tough game for this team, considering the Norvell. It's going to be so hostile. Um, yeah, it's I, you got to know that the Wolfpack are going to be ready for that game, and they're going to be counting the days to that game. And then it doesn't let up after that because immediately after that, you get the Utah State Aggies coming to town. Um, at least you don't have to travel to Hawaii, but then at Boise State, at San Jose State, Wyoming right in the middle there, and then at Air Force before ending the season against the lowly Lobos. Um, this is a tough schedule, man. I mean, you kind of hit all the road games where you don't want to have road games. Uh, out of conference, I think, is a good you know chance to kind of tune up before you face this gauntlet as you head into the Mountain West. Here's where I'm at with CSU. I want to be in a position where I d no longer have to be like, well, look out for Middle Tennessee State. Look, obviously, right. you've got to show up every <laughs> week. But like when, you're, when you go to Michigan and Washington State on the road, the expectation has got to be that you're going to beat Middle Tennessee State and you're going to beat Sacramento State at the FCS at home. And over the last five years, those are the games that CSU has dropped consistently. I mean... They can't afford to. You got to at least go 500 in your non-conference slate. If you can steal one at Washington State, that'd be awesome. But if you can go 500, then you've got a shot. You know, at that point, anything is on the the table. That Nevada game is going to be tough, talent-wise. I think CSU should be better than Nevada. So, I mean, it's not 
like you're scared of them per se, you know, but it's going to be a huge game and they are certainly going to want to win that game. It's going to be the biggest game on their schedule. I, yeah, I, I think they've got to win some of the, those games, though. You know, you've got to you have to beat Nevada on the road. You've got to be able to beat a Utah State at home, despite the fact that they won the league last year. And I'll throw out, you know, they were a weird team, man. They had some fluky yeah. wins, a ton of crazy comebacks. I mean, obviously, the CSU game was one of the dumbest ones in itself. But yeah. I, I wouldn't just pencil in Utah State to be a 10 win team again. Right now, I'm with you. I think that last year, I don't want to say caught lightning in a bottle, um, but they just really had a lot of breaks go their way. Um, and it turned into a 10 win season where they won the league or an 11 win season where they won the league. It happens in college football, uh, whether you can kind of keep that going is to be seen, but I think this is what makes college football so great is those seasons happen. And this year it might be another team. It might be Colorado state even. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's an exciting time for to be a Rams fan. Um, I'm way more looking forward to watching this team than I was last year. Um, but the whole Norvell and air raid um, kind of factored in. That's something that, you know, that's that's kind of a program defining uh, change there. And, we, you know, we talked about it all throughout realignment, the opportunity that CSU has. And I think that hiring Norvell was the perfect time for them uh, to kind of capture that moment and also just to be a better football team, to win more games and just be more competitive. I mean, Norvell showed at Nevada that in that league, if you have a good quarterback with a strong arm and you have a receivers on the outside that know how to run this air raid system and can, you know, make the spectacular play over a defensive back from San Jose state every now and then you're just going to win a lot more games. If you have that going for you, what CSU now has on their side, I mean, you're not going to be doing three yards in a cloud of dust with David Bailey anymore. Um, <laughs> so Justin shakes his head. Um, it, it's a huge opportunity. And, you know, as I said off from the bat, I mean, it's kind of high variance. It can kind of go any way here, really. But I think the fact of the matter is, it's going to be a more fun team to watch and a much more exciting team to watch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're from an athleticism standpoint, it's going to be night and day. They're just going to be more fun, like you said. I mean, it, it sucks when your team is both bad and boring. Like, CSU in the mid 2000s, they weren't very good, but they scored a lot of points. And they, it was just one of those teams where it was going to be a shootout every week. And sometimes they came out on top, sometimes they didn't. It was really fun. You had to be there every week. You wanted to watch it. But when you're losing every week and you also can't score a touchdown in the red zone and your head coach is, you know, making just negative headline after negative headline, not just locally, but literally across the country. It's just hard to be excited. And at this point, you've got a fun team running a fun system and a man that you can be, you know, proud represents your university. So I think that's all you can really hope for for when you are a program in the Mountain West. Hopefully, you know, you're able to make the take these moves and ascend further, but we shall see. Um, we can talk briefly about Boise State. I, I think they have a really hard schedule. I do think they're gonna be better than they were last year, but I'm not sold on Hank Bachmeyer at this point, and it really doesn't seem like the coaching staff is either. They didn't nominate him for the preseason uh, all-conference bid. Um, so to me, that's maybe he's not even necessarily the guaranteed starter. I, I think he will be, but I mean, he's had an opportunity here to kind of take the reins and go for it for like three straight years. Injuries have been a big factor in that, but when I look at this schedule, yeah, they're going to start 4-0 because they're going to beat Oregon State on the road, I think. And they beat New Mexico, Tennessee Martin, and UTEP. But after that, man, 
they're, they're at home, but San Diego State and Fresno State back to back to open the Mountain West. And then they go to Air Force. Like those three games alone, they could drop all three. And then at that point, you know, you're kind of just trying to salvage your season. I think they'll be tough. I just think this schedule is going to be brutal. And that, I mean, I think CSU is going to be better. We know how bad CSU wants to beat Boise. They've never beat them. That'd be a huge moment. They've got to go to Nevada. Nevada and Boise are kind of rivals from their days in the whack. Those, you know, Kaepernick shootouts, those were a lot of fun. They've got to play yeah. BYU and they close the year against Utah State uh, with a with a trip to Laramie sandwiched in between, which is a never a fun place to go in November. I, I just, I don't know. They've got a brutal schedule. I'm not super sold on their quarterback. This genuinely is not an anti-Boise opinion. I just think they're the fourth or fifth best team in the league at best. No, I think you're spot on. I mean, looking at Hank Bachmeyer and honestly, I mean, his most, I guess, exciting or defining moment really kind of came as a freshman um, in that you're going to have to help me out here. Who was that? Who'd they beat? Week they one beat Florida year? State, uh, right? Florida uh, State. Really early in the year. And that Florida State team ended up being like a two or three win team. But I'm not going to take it right. away from them. When CSU beat Arkansas at home, it was a terrible Arkansas, but you beat an SEC team. Those are big. Right. And uh, I mean, that's really as good as it's gotten, though, in the Hank Backmeyer experience. It's really never reached those heights. And when you look back, those heights, were they ever really that high? Um, looking at this team, though, having that BYU game just kind of fit in there in early November, that is absolutely brutal. Um, at least you get it at home. But yeah, I mean, I don't think this is we're definitely not looking at this Boise State team as the Boise State teams of old as the best team in all of G5 outside of the power five comfort. That's just not where they're at anymore. Um, so we'll see. I mean, this is a very tough schedule. I'm interested to hear your opinion on San Diego state though. I mean, they lost a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, they've kind of proven themselves to be one of the more consistent teams in this league in terms of year in year out competitiveness and just being able to compete at the top. Uh, Brady Hoke won coach of the year last year. So at least you return that from a San Diego state standpoint, but, uh, how confident are you, are you in their ability to really push for a conference title this year? I mean, they're going to be in the mix defensively. They're, they should be pretty much as good as they were last year. Caden McDonald is a stud at linebacker. They've also got Patrick McMorris coming back, their nickel back, who makes plays all over the field. Um, I mean, the question with San Diego State is what it's always been. Can you throw the football, right? Like, they've yeah. always had a good defense. They've always run the football. They're going to win at least eight games a year but they have not been explosive enough to contend with some of those other elite teams. You've got Braxton Burmeister transferring in. I mean, the early reports are that he's been solid. They're, they're playing in a new stadium this year. I like that just in terms of having some juice in there. It's, it's kind of a, a soccer style stadium, so it should be pretty intimate. I think that's all going to be beneficial for what's been a successful team anyways, despite not really having a home field advantage. I mean, it, it was just sad watching them play in an empty NFL stadium. Yeah. Well, and it's having to be the charger stadium too, where it's just, uh, of course, bad omens and, uh, bad things are just guaranteed just bad to happen to the home team there. <laughs> um, yeah. It was, with San Diego you, state, they just got, I mean, their schedule is not that bad. They do play at Utah in week three. They open against Arizona. I think they should be Arizona at home, particularly in week one. But I mean, their, their first conference game is at Boise state. That's a big game at Nevada at Fresno state is tough back to back, but 
really, I mean, they should throttle UNLV. The game against San Jose State is going to be interesting because I think they're a team that'll be frisky in the West at New Mexico and then Air Force. Like I said, I think that season finale, Air Force versus San Diego State, potentially for one of those teams like to secure a spot or maybe both in, in the conference championship, it's going to be a huge one. I'm, I'm really looking forward to these teams. For sure. I mean, it's a it's a game that's three, four months away at this point, but uh, that November 26th game against Air Force, I mean, that's going to be a rock fight. That's when you got to circle. Um, it, it might be combined, what would you say, 75 carries on the ground in that game? <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be a, it should be like a two hour, 10 minute game. You know, it's going to be awesome. I always love covering games against Air Force from a time perspective just because it flies. It hasn't been very fun as a CSU alum. I'll say that, but uh, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's always interesting with how they run the ball. Uh, San Jose state is going to be really interesting. They added Chevin Cordero, the former multi-year Hawaii starter at quarterback. They return everybody defensively. I mean, they got Kyle Harmon at linebacker. He is an absolute stud. They've got multiple guys along the defensive line that were preseason all-conference selections. I mean, when you look at with with I, I'm going to butcher these names. I'm really sorry. But with Fahoko coming back, he is awesome. Cade Hall coming back, he's great. I already mentioned Kyle Harmon. I like Trey Jenkins in the secondary. I mean, they're going to be really, really good defensively and offensively. They should be much better after adding an influx of talent via the transfer portal already brought up a Cordero, but they also added Justin Lockhart, a really talented receiver from Nevada, um, actually added a couple of receivers from Nevada. So they, they should be competitive more so than last year. I had an opportunity to send, sit down with Brett Brennan for about 15 minutes at media days. He's a cool dude, man. I don't, I don't, I don't want to buy into that stuff too much, but I do think that there is a a such thing as like when you can just see that the culture is improving and and he's building something there. Passing the vibe check. Yeah, totally passing the vibe check. And he he just was a cool dude. I just found myself thinking like, man, I'd want to play for this guy. They're finally investing in their facilities a little bit. I would like to see San Jose State carry their end a little bit more than they have since adding coming to the Mountain West. They've done it the last couple of years. They've got an opportunity to be pretty good here, especially with a favorable schedule. I mean, they go to Auburn, but and they have to go play at Fresno State and at San Diego State. But I mean, Nevada, Hawaii, those are winnable. UNLV, Wyoming, early in the year. You'd rather go to Laramie in October than November. For sure. I think they should be competitive. I do think they they finish below Fresno State and San Diego State, though. I mean, dude, you absolutely murdered it there. Um, I just, one thing I'll add, I mean, Cordero was someone who caught my eye, I mean, years ago at Hawaii. I just love how he throws the ball. I love how the ball jumps out of his hand. Um, I know consistency has kind of been his big issue too. Uh, he's kind of prone to making some, I mean, boneheaded throws for interceptions and stuff like that. But I mean, he's a talented player that I've enjoyed watching throughout my time uh, watching Hawaii and Mountain West football. I'm excited to see him on a much better team, though, in San Jose State. Um, as you mentioned, this schedule does look pretty favorable. Um, we'll see, though. I, I just don't think this team is able to reach the heights that the San Diego States, the Air Forces, or the Fresno States would be, would be capable of. Um, but I could definitely see them kind of in that uh, that upset role, for sure. That's the thing, though. If they win the games that they should, if you can pull an upset against Fresno State or San Diego State, 
I mean, you could be in a position in that week 12 where you're just, you just need San Diego state to lose to air force. You know what I mean? Like they could kind of luck out just based on some of these really good teams in the West cannibalizing each other. I'd keep an eye on them. That's all I'll say. I I do think that they're, there's still a significant gap below San Diego state and Fresno state, at least on paper going in. But when you look at who they bring back defensively, they should be better offensively. We'll see if it all clicks with so many moving parts. It's a lot like CSU in that regard, uh, but I have faith in them. And that's pretty much it. As far as like the contenders in the mountain West, go. we can talk, I mean, Utah state Logan Bonner comes back. We'll see. They've got to replace a ton of production at wide receiver. Hawaii is a total rebuild. Wyoming essentially is a rebuild after losing everybody in the transfer portal. Defensively, they should be solid. Um, They bring over Andrew Peasley, a guy who played a little bit at Utah State in relief of Logan Bonner at times. I mean, there's just a lot of teams who have to rebuild. Hawaii, uh, Nevada, and Wyoming lost more production than anybody in the country. So it's it's kind of a mixed bag, you know? We've seen teams like Utah State last year add a bunch of talent and surprise everybody go to the transfer portal. Any of these teams could potentially shock just because you don't know. But I have a hard time seeing any of those teams contend. I mean, UNLV, New Mexico, those guys are going to struggle. Nevada is a total rebuild, as I already said. But I will say I would expect Nevada to be a little bit friskier than everybody imagines. Ken Wilson was a good hire. They're going to play tough. But that's about all I'll say. Um, my only pleas to my alma mater, the New Mexico Lobos, please just don't look as embarrassing of you as you have looked in previous years. Just, just look somewhat competitive come October and November, please. I mean, you don't have to win. Just, just stay in games for God's sake. I'm pulling for him, man. I like Danny Gonzalez. He's another coach that passed the vibe check. Like when I spent, uh, I got to spend like a half an hour with him in 2021. I only spent like 10 minutes with him this year. Cause I didn't want to ask him all the same CSU questions, but Getting that CSU New Mexico game much more competitive is a big priority for them. CSU's obviously beaten them eleven straight years. Uh, there were there was a time in the late nineties, early two thousand, where those programs were clashing, you know, for a spot mm-hmm. in the Mountain West Championship game, for a spot in the WAC Championship game. New Mexico, they have passionate fans when when the team is good, but it's just been so long since that football team's been competitive. Having a toxic it's- culture under Davey did not help the cause at all. But I think with Gonzalez as their head coach, they have the right guy. And I mean, you've got one of the most brilliant defensive coordinators in the country in Rocky Long. They, they just, they need more talent. They didn't have enough talent to be competitive last year. I'll be, I'll be pulling for them in every game except CSU. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> that makes me feel <laughs> a little bit better. But uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I've just kind of lost hope in this program, to be completely honest. I mean, the AD fiasco from a few years ago. Oh, God, I didn't even the, remember all the Muniz stuff. Oh, man, it's just it's been a mess. I mean, players getting arrested for sexual harassment and stuff. It's just a complete mess. That's that's why I'm just pleading. Just don't be embarrassing this year. Just look competitive in the first half of games. Um, we'll see if they're able to. But I mean, I think my confidence in this program is at an all-time low, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, when realignment or, I guess, restructuring kind of makes its way towards the Mountain West, we kind of see the Lobos in in another lower league after this. Oh, that would bum me out, but... They haven't done anything to to help their case. I can't make a sound argument for... I mean, basketball-wise, I think that that's a program with a ton of potential, obviously, bringing in Richard Pitino. 
things are back on the rise. The women's program has been extremely successful. They've got a great track program, baseball, all of that stuff. The Olympics stuff, honestly, it's a lot like CSU. When you look at the teams that have won the most Mountain West championships in the last decade, it's like New Mexico, CSU, San Diego State, and most of them are Olympic sports stuff. Mm-hmm. You just got to get the you got to get those revenue generating sports back to the peaks of of where they were. I, I hope that we have not seen the best of teams like New Mexico, like CSU. You know, some of these old school whack programs. Uh, but it's been bleak. It's been bleak at best. Yeah, no doubt. You gotta use that. Um, you gotta use the food, man. How do you use that in the re- recruiting pitch? If that's what, what I would just bring them to campus, have a massive spread of like Sadie's and every like Albuquerque gym, and we get all the the green chilies, all the different you know flavor. And how do you say no to that? I mean, I, I never want to leave Albuquerque after I eat I down mean, there. It's just so good. Is easily the best place about uh, home is the food and just the vibes from all the, you know, kind of melting pot culture and all that. But unfortunately, this football program has just gone by the wayside. I mean, you've seen kind of the attendance too, just really kind of dwindle. Um, yeah, the last couple of times know. I've been down there, it's been a ghost show. Like last time it's... I walked directly onto the field and granted, I have a press pass, but there was not even any security. Like I walked into the stadium, yeah. walked into the field. I was like, this is not great. Yeah, um, quite the different vibes from, I think, what was it, 2016 when they were actually complete, competing for a division title. Um, that was fun. That was actually the year that I was interning at a TV station down there in college, so I was able to kind of cover that. But uh, unfortunately, we haven't even gotten close to those heights since. So. I think they, they beat Boise State one of those years. I mean, that 2016 team with Austin Apodaca at quarterback was mm-hmm. was competitive. Um they ended up losing to CSU in the season finale at Hughes. Actually, one of my favorite memories, just a fun night for the CSU community. Everybody got to celebrate Hughes together. But yeah, I mean, they, they were competitive there for a couple of years and then it all just fell apart so quickly. Competitive and fun too, with that kind of shotgun triple option that they were running. I mean, it was wide open. You had That's no- what they need to embrace, dude. You like, I've never understood why UNM hasn't just gone the Air Force approach. And I, I get that you right. can't, like you can't land the same type of NFL caliber, you know, players when you do that. But are you really landing them now, anyways? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's the biggest issue with UNM is it's just the complete kind of restructuring from the ground up, from the AD to the coaching staff to the you know scheme to the recruiting pitches. I think it's all just got to be rebuilt. Whether it's done in time, as this kind of restructuring and realignment takes its course, uh, is to be seen. Well, man, they say it's the hope that kills you, but I'm trying to keep the optimistic approach here because I you know, that, that's what it. it's you all about in college one. sports. That's what it's, you know, <laughs> if you don't have any hope, it's like, like even Vanderbilt, you know what I mean? They're like, well, right. we send a guy to the NFL every now and then. Yeah, I, well, I don't know if UNM is going to have any ADs or coaches coming out saying that UNM is going to be the one of the leaders in college football here anytime soon. <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. You just got to get bold. Fake it till you make it. Um, yeah, maybe. The last thing I'll say, Hawaii will not be good this year, but Timmy Chang was absolutely the right hire, the only hire. Um, he is going to get some of that local talent to stay, and, and that is going to be huge for them. I'm, I'm very much rooting for them. He's a really cool dude. Another guy I got to spend some time with, but 
it's, it's just one of those programs where you need somebody with a strong regional identity, more so than literally any other program in the country. They finally got it right. I'm looking forward to seeing how they they hang. Hawaii comes to town. It'll be fun. Timmy Chang versus Jay Norvell, all of that. But uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening to us. I know we've been a little bit all over the place, but that's why this pod is fun because we just get to talk about the SEC and the Mountain West. I don't know if there's another podcast in the country that would do an SEC Mountain West Honestly. duo preview. And I mean that sincerely. And that's why I, I love this shit because we get the the opportunity to be weird and talk about the draft and talk about some of the teams that, you know, the people on radio stations, the people on TV are, are not going to focus on. I'm telling you, you could listen to 40 college football previews. I don't know how many people are going to hype up uh, Chevin Cordero the way we are on this podcast. <laughs> so he's our guy. No, no Jake, no. as always, man, it's great to be here with you. I'm looking forward to next week. I'm looking forward to the season being here, man. Camp is here. Zero week is three weeks away. I, I can't wait. Let's get it rolling, man. I'm so stoked. Uh, can't wait to be out there with you guys, too. Um, let's get after it. La, la, la.